You're listening to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hello. And Mike Connolly. Hello. And our guest today is Al Brentnell of Molest. Hi, Al. Oh. Thank you for joining us. We are uh, quite excited to speak with you. Nice to uh, finally speak to you too. We're very pumped for this. We have done a couple seven-inch episodes. We did the episode on the split with Broom, as well as the Molest Murder series, seven-inch. And hey, I mean, you've been going and going and going for decades and decades. Like three of them. Something like that. Where did it all begin? Now, you've stated in a few interviews that Sean from Factor X was a big person that got you into this world. Is that part of your beginnings? Um, start at the very beginning. I think it's all started with, first of all, buying a Fostex, I think, if I remember right, Fostex full track. Classic. I'd heard of Nurse with Wounds, and I've heard of White House at this point. This is late 80s, early 90s. And um, like, yeah, yeah, this is this is good. This is good. So we've met some other people who've introduced us more, you know, more, more uh, into the sort of back catalogs. And um, yeah, this is what I want to do. I want to make these noises, but I don't have any equipment. I've got this full track. This is great. I can uh, I can pretend I've got a studio, but no, it's uh, how do you get these noises? So that, that's my first thought. Yeah, okay. Um, we'll get some shortwave radio going, bit bit of guitar. We'll, we'll sort of mess around with that, detune that, um, and um, there's a few experiments. Oh, they're, they're all long gone now, but there's a few experiments. That's yeah, so all, all, all been on tape up to a certain point, and then gone. Um, but during that sort of uh, initial sort of um, Burst of enthusiasm, let's call it. Uh, I've met some of the Tunbridge and Tunbridge Wells sort of people who are big into uh, Throbbing Gristle, Psychic TV, White House, um, that sort of stuff. And those would have been the, the, the bigger sort of names. Um, but then there was this a smaller sort of uh, subculture underneath it, which is like Impulse Magazine, Softwatch. Might have been a few other magazines as well. I can't really remember, but they they all had contact lists in the back. Uh, and essentially, I just wrote to some people. You know, oh, Factory X. That sounds interesting. So that's that's you know, obviously got in touch with Sean. Uh, and you know, we we did quite a lot of sharing um, sharing source material, uh, working on various albums, some of which. Still not listed on Discogs, which is interesting. Oh, really? We did a we did an album. Must have been a, a sixty minute album called "A White Fly Laid Its Eggs on Me." Wow! He's, he might he might still have a copy. I, I don't know, but it it was. I don't even remember if it was very good or not. But I don't <laughs> have a copy. I didn't have a copy for a long time. Um, there's, there's lots of stuff that we did that is, is just lost in the midst of time, really. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Christian from Broome as well, early on, started trading cassettes and, and stuff like that. Um, I can't remember, probably not till later on, that I would have got in touch with uh, Rudolph Runstone and Joe Stock, uh, Dave of Smell and Quim, and, 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 and the rest of those sort of reprobates. Um, well, well, yeah, and it seems like you, 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 and Dave really seem to connect. Obviously, there's the great one-sided split. Mm-hmm. You have you have the great tape on Stinky Horsefuck. So, do, do you do you recall when that meeting of the minds took place, or was it was no. it through letters, or was it in person? No, I've, I've never met Dave. Oh, really? In 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 all this time, I've I've never met Dave, and I think out of our, our paths just have not crossed. We did speak recently about because um, Dave, Dave loves to do the, the live shows, and he hasn't done a live show in a while. And I said, "Get someone to put you on in London, and we'll, we'll play together. Finally, we can uh, get horrendously drunk and um, you know put it put it to bed, you yeah. know, once and for all." <laughs> oh man, that needs to happen. That's wild that you've actually never met. In person. Well, brother, in, my brother is a funny. Here's another funny story. It's actually, uh, I don't know if it's interesting. My brother-in-law met him. Uh, they were playing in Bradford. This must have been mid to late nineties, and um, for whatever for whatever reason, Dave thought that my brother-in-law was me, or the other way round, or <laughs> so, something strange went on. I was like, no, right. it, no, I've, I've never been to Bradford, so I, I, it wasn't me. <laughs> Amazing, but yeah, no, it's sort I mean, of fitting, though. I think, yeah, we, I, met, I met Rudolph, must have been, and Dave Phillips uh, when I did the spaghetti shimflutch um, show. Oh, you were there? That, that there was about I don't know, 40, 50 people. Uh, Evil Moisture played, um, probably first and only time I saw them. Um, oh, I can't remember who else. But yeah, oh, wow. it, it was. That's so it was cool. it was pretty crazy, you know. Wow, legendary gig. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean that that was um, that's a long time ago now, and um, <laughs> yeah, our, our paths have not have not crossed again. Wow, that's wild. So when you were working with Sean, was was it Bandage Hand Produce at that point, or did did that did that imprint come a little well, bit later? Sort of because well it would have been but again late eighties early nineties um, bandage hand was the, f- the first actual release was a flexi disc and that was put out under bandage hand records which oh. I, I, I couldn't afford to put out a record I could afford to put out a flexi disc um, <laughs> at that at that time so we. Uh, it's an interesting um, mix. There's probably about five or six minutes on there, maybe, maybe a little bit more. Uh, but there's it, it, sort of a couple of rhythmic sort of tracks, and then the last sort of section is the start of where MLS really started to come. Um, but those recordings, yeah, that, that that goes back to the very first sort of stuff I did with the full track. That was the start of that. But, yeah, yeah I, there was a lot. A lot a long break. I made 500 of these flexies and I think probably burnt about 100 uh, and sold the rest for 50p or, or 60p. It, it, 
it was ridiculous. To stores or to yeah, a few went to Rough Trade. Um, probably I probably walked around all of the London record shops that I knew and said consignment. Mm-hmm. Uh, take ten, and they go, yeah, we'll take ten, no problem. How much do you want? Fifty p, no problem. They'd, they'd sell them for whatever, um, and that was my distribution. <laughs> right, that first that but, first wave. But they, they all went. They, they all sold. Couldn't couldn't believe that. Um, and then, yeah, at, at some point, probably 92, 93, in earnest, I started the bandaged hand bits. Um, and, yeah, it just sort of went from there, really. Before we continue our conversation with Al, a word from our sponsors. Out now on Hospital Productions. Bob Marinelli, Blood and Bones CD. The long-lost album from 1999, originally intended for ground fault recordings. Mangled Clit, Eroticill, deluxe two-CD digipack with booklet of photos and poster. Collects the cassettes on Bloodlust and Slaughter Productions. The Big Apple's most infamous rebellious noise. Third organ, Loch Ness Monster. Japan's most extreme noise. Do you believe Loch Ness Monster? And Amsenglant's Canada 666 LP. The first LP after 25 years of Amsenglant. Knife on metal sheet with wine bottle vocals. Head to hospitalproductions.net for these and more. Today's episode is also sponsored by Oxidation. Oxidation started as an archival label to renew interest in older CDR noise releases. More recently, Oxidation has released CDs by Molest, PBK and Modelbau, SRM Eichsner, and B-Tong, as well as CDR releases by Dylan Tulk, Stolen Light, and Expose Your Eyes, along with new tapes by Unknown Hierarchy and Sean Robert. Check out everything available at oxidation.bandcamp.com or oxidationlabel.bigcartel.com. Use code NOISEXTRA for 10% off. Did Bandaged Hand, the name, stem from an incident? Because you have like a bandage theme that runs through your work. Um, not really. There's, there's, um, there's a French pun, Le Man Bandai, or, or similar. You'll have to excuse my French accent. It's not very good. Um, prob- probably similar to like Joko de Mano in, uh, in Italian or something, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like a French pun for, for slipping one off the wrist, if you know what I mean. So, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I thought that was that was quite funny, so um, that, that's where that come up that came from. Uh, also, that you might bandage your hands, ready for a bit of um, uh, unlicensed boxing, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> All sorts of fun things. Well, it's, it's great, but then of course, then the produce. I think that's also the the other great part of the name another yeah world. i mean that, 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 again that that would have been um looking through that list of, of record that were, you know uh sounds for conscious right uh productions or not i can't remember i mean there was there this list of, of bedroom record labels with productions or records or, or cassettes or, or, or whatever they, they have their title was and it's like well let's have something similar to that cheesy's international yeah, well, he's got the he's got the international. Someone else has got productions. Um, what what can we have? Well, we'll have produce. There you go. 
I love it. I love it. And she's two two of the greatest Jesus label names of all time. She's international and bandage hand produce. But there's a there's such a trashiness to those early days of the packaging, oh, yeah. and it seems and it's very purposeful. Where did this come from, and where did your seemingly obsession with filth and and trash <laughs> come in? Is it something that's always been with you? It's, 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 well, maybe. Um, it's um, <sighs> partly to do with the, the, like, the, some of the packaging ideas were partly to do with, well, there was the big boom of um, everyone trying to outdo each other with ridiculous cassette packaging. Of course, going back to the Dave Stinky Horse, uh, cassettes wrapped in barbed wire or, or a lump of concrete or foam or mm-hmm. um, I'm just trying to think. I've got one from Rudolph, uh, which had this uh, Ronsal Stern and Masona or something like that. Uh which was wrapped in, if I remember right, might have been, there's definitely banana skins involved. Um, <laughs> and maybe some barbed wire or some other sort of wire. Um, I don't know how many of those there were. Maybe only a few sort of thing. But, you know, with all, all this packaging company, well, what can what can we use? What have we got to hand? Um, we had some medical supplies uh, from my, my girlfriend at the time. She had... Um, uh, like medical supplies, like rubber gloves, and you know, like, like, it's, we'd, have, we'd have stuff like the dog hair that, that we collect off the carpet, off the carpet, <laughs> off the vacuum cleaner. You know, well, we can use that. We'll use that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, someone's been smoking a roll up. We'll, we'll we'll take that the, the end, the dog end of that roll up, and we'll use that, and we'll just collage it and sellotape it all together. Uh, and of course, we we didn't have the technology that we had have now so if we wanted to type something we we typed on a word processor and then printed that off this this is the early days and then cut out what we wanted cut out the titles and just shoved it all together literally thrown together uh, but a, a lot of the filth and the uh the seedy sort of stuff pretty much was if you've ever heard of the the sunday sport newspaper that we get here in in Britain, I think you could you can probably go onto Instagram or or the Google and find some that like the National Enquirer they they have the most ridiculous stories, um, but the Sunday Sport has the, the the English pervy slant on everything. So I'll, I'll leave, uh, you, you can you you can look that up and research it yourself. Well, there's something so much about that sort of those words and imagery something about it in the UK i mean from the the carry on series the the these these stri- these like seem these like double entendre you know oh, yeah. like like these pervy things but in this <laughs> impolite society right but that that's what we grew up with we we right. grew up watching uh not faulty towers i mean how, how could you get away with with something that says flowery twats <laughs> on, on, the, on the on the start of your program, you yeah. in in this more sensitive age. I mean, that, that's that's never going to get made. But a, even stuff that was more uh, on telly that, that was more innocent, like the two Ronnies, 
who I've huge admiration for with their, with their wordplay. I think it's amazing. It's, it's not, um, and, um, you know, there is, again, a lot of it now, right. uh, the, these pro- TV programs wouldn't, wouldn't get made. Um, but, yeah, I've, I've, I've brought some of that in, the, um, the, 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 the bits I like from, from, from their programs, a nice bit of, bit of influence into the, into the track titles. And, um, you know, once, once in a while, probably mid-2000s, um, and um, yeah, it's, it's just a reference back to the, the, the sort of, like you say, wordplay, double entendre sort of TV stuff that, that we grew up with that you don't have on telly anymore, over here anyway, as far as I know. There's, there's just something so grounding about it because, you know, Mike and I, of course, have just, we, we get in a zone, so probably maybe a week and a half, two weeks straight, we've only been listening to Molest and it'll just be playing a list. And I'll say, what is this? This is so transcendental. This mood is gorgeous. Like I can't even handle what I'm hearing. What is this? And Michael say, Oh, it's shitty fingers. You know? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like combining you know, oh, the oh, yeah, how to eat shit. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. But, but there is just something so just thrilling to me. And I know other people as well, like having those, those two things play together to like, to take the transcendental and, and put it together with, you know, us uh, filthy people that are uh, running around in the gutter. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, just going back to the, the Sunday sport in when it, I don't know if it's still a, uh, or, or the daily sport. I don't know if it's an actual physical newspaper anymore. I, I tend not to involve myself in, uh, yeah, sort of a, a, a lot, a lot of major sort of stuff because it, it's just so depressing, really. But um, yeah, we're a bit, I mean, we're talking what, what we're talking early mid nineties, this sort of period, isn't it? So that's a long time ago. But you, you flick for it, they'd have a classified section in the back of the um, of the newspaper, and you, you we, we just sit there laughing. I mean, adverts for for. Uh, 90-year-old woman gangbang. Get the video. <laughs> All this filthy stuff from Germany and uh, maybe, you know, some, some, maybe Denmark or something. And, and you, you know, all this stuff was for sale if you wanted to send off to these, these CD PO boxes in, uh, in London or, or wherever. It was like, this is an interesting world. Do, do people actually do this sort of stuff? Well, obviously they do. Well, we, you know, let's let's bring some of this into the music because there was there's just like a slight gap for it. it. It wasn't as blatantly in your face as Smell and Quim. It wasn't bondage like Mertzbo at the time, or probably Macronymph or uh, Joe's probably tied up the, the sort of bondage side of things. So we can't use that either. So we'll 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 go with the English seedy underworld, dirty, uh, dirty old man stuff. Um, you know, and it may at the time I think Phil Todd maybe from Beckley Welcomes Careful Drivers label. I think he said something along the lines of um that all the titles were unnecessary for the music. It it didn't it's like a jarring uh a jarring situation. The music and the titles and the, the imagery that the titles bring up and the music don't, you know, they they they're they're not needed. Oh, that's, that's, that's how it is, you know. I completely disagree with Bill. <laughs> yeah, really. hundred yeah. percent. These are everything about it has created this world now. So this was a lot about seeing these ads, seeing these 
magazines and and papers but were you were you strictly an observer or was it also personal were you did you participate in these acts or was it a little bit of both or no. how, <laughs> are you an I'm, anal I'm, dentist yeah uh unfortunately no i mean i'm i'm a i'm an artist i suppose in in that sense really and it it was it was yeah <laughs> It's not like oh yeah you know we we're being um, transgressive or anything like that. It, it was um, literally getting shit faced and just coming up with this this weird and wild stuff, and that's it. Yeah. There's, there's, mm-hmm. there's no mystery behind it. But I mean, literally <sighs> listening to stuff like like coming back to the nursery wound and listening to some of that stuff. That you know the the, 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 the those sort of despondent sort of atmospheres it's just like well we've, we've got to have this I've, I've got to recreate the, these atmospheres because it's just so powerful it's, 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 it's emotional it's emotive it's, it's just this sort of overwhelming force um and and that that's what i've tried to recreate in, in the early days anyway tried to recreate that feeling of sort of dread really uh, we, not, not all of the, all of them, the, the the 90s tapes were sort of like that. Some of them were more noisy, of course, but um, it's, it's just getting that. Um, yeah, it's just 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 the dirty, seedy atmospheres. I was no longer his dominant sort of stuff. You know the, that that creepy. Uh, do, do I want to actually turn this off now, or shall I listen to it mm-hmm. to the end? Because I might just say, <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, it's, it's just just all part of the stew, really. Just just all, all thrown thrown together, and let's let's go with it and see how it develops. What was the instrumentation back then? What were you using to get these atmospheres? I know there's guitar on a lot of the earlier stuff, uh, often not sounding at all like guitar, uh, or not until maybe the layers peel back, and then you sort of it's revealed that it is, but what, what else were you utilizing to get these atmospheres and to, to make these things? You said the Fostex four track. Yeah. I mean, to start off with at the time I was heavily, I suppose, anti-synthesizer, but then I, I couldn't afford one anyway. And I didn't know anyone who had one. And if someone had lent me one, uh, I wouldn't know exactly what to do with it. So, it's like how it's, e- it's like how it's easy to be straight edge when you're 15 years old. Yeah. You can't get it. Yeah, well, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a similar situation. I mean, basically, a lot of the stuff, I'll, I'll tell you what I used to do. I used to love reading the reviews of someone write a review of an app, read through Softwatch, read, uh, read through Impulse. Um, struggling to think that there was loads, of, even something like the, the these records catalog, they'd always have a description of. And it would be a long one, a long description of, of everything they had in stock. Um, and you'd read through it, and I'd just be like, oh, wow. I mean, I can't afford to go out. I've spent all my money on a full track now. I can't afford to go out and shop all these CDs or, and, and, and albums. Uh, but I like the sound of that. So let's try and re- recreate that. Um, of course, with, with my limited means, it's not really possible. But shortwave radio, I had an Amstrad um, cassette turntable and tuner sort of uh, um, hi-fi and it had shortwave on it so I could pick up all of the, the 
the police bands and the, the you know all, all the probably Russian spy um, uh, codes and all, and all that sort of stuff. So that, that was quite nice. But yeah, Jack straight out of there into the four track, slow the four track up and down. Uh, yeah, we'll record that and and then leave that to one side. So there's there's radio, uh, the guitars, sound effects and samples. Um, so yeah, with the turntable, literally just pop the top off of the turntable, take the belt out. Now I can like like a DJ scratches of the yeah. So playing around with with records, whatever rubbish I might happen to have. <laughs> Speed it up, slow it down. Sound effects, records, uh, just just anything really. That's early days. Um, later on, bought myself a CD when it, when these came available. CDR um, earner, and it, and it was also it had two decks, so you could record a CD CD into the CDR on the same um, on the same unit, um, and with that. Um, sound, sound quality improved, obviously, because we could basically we could record directly on CD now. Mm. So, so that was good. Um, but yeah, sound effects, CDs, reggae records pop up. There's, there's various samples from that. Again, other bits of radio with pirate radio stations sort of blaring through. I had a big effects unit with a, with a massive reverb on it, which is long gone now. Um, it's like a rack mounted rack mounted unit. I could get that to feedback through the full track. I don't know how I managed to do it. It was like a like a massive accident. Well, all of a sudden, I can create feedback. Feedback, not just feedback. Now I can reverb it as well. So that, that's um, that's probably on some good results of that on the double LP that was released by Dom, which was difficulty difficulty crossing a field. Oh god! Yeah, yeah, which originally was on a CD. I think. No, it was not CD, CDR, which might have been 50 or 100 copies. I think Pat dubbed them for me or copied them for me at the time and then sent them over. Um, so he not, was he the one doing the CDRs when you started doing he actually he, he was burning them? I'm trying I'm trying to recall really because I think first CDR, no, we, we didn't burn them at home. There, there were some services that, that were doing some very high-quality Copying. So the, the first one of those would have been Notes of Obscure Origin, I think. Which right. Is, I've still got a copy here somewhere, number one of 100, that is burnt on a gold CD that still plays perfectly today. So it's obviously a... Much uh, like Milk Tourist, also on that, the that gold was the CD. Second one. The gold. That was the but, second so, one. But, but I mean, CDRs bet now, you know, and especially in the early 2000s, they became so much easier to do, but... Even in the '90s, it was, it wasn't exactly this easy thing you could do at home. So, did you actually send these off to a to a plant? Yeah, but it, it was just like a like a bedroom operation. Because I think right. at that point, suddenly there were these CD burning machines that you could get, uh, and you'd stack up one side of it with say a hundred blank CDs. Oh, sorry, CDRs. And however it works, after a while, you've got 100 burnt CDs or CDRs that are burnt with music on it, and then they print the top, um, something that we couldn't do at home, obviously. 
Um, I think we played about with um, doing the printed labels and slapping them down on on the CD. But I mean, it, it was never very professional looking, you know. So yeah, we did that one. Did Nights of Obscure Origin, Milk Tourist, and then there was the Secret Harvest, Fabulous Favorites, and the compilation Society for Unnatural Acts. <laughs> 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 so there was, there was a bit of hangover. Uh, obviously, you know, by the time the, C, the, the CDR sort of um, period, I think, I think thing, the, 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 the more CD side of things was calming down quite, you know, it was getting a bit more serious, you know, trying to, trying to be a bit more of a serious uh, concern rather than that something that might be construed as being attention seeking for the sake of it, like Jesus Christ LP by Dave. God bless him. <laughs> <laughs> One of the greatest. But, but that whole era has this like this beautiful darkness, this desolation, and it's like living without feeling into the difficulty of crossing a field. There's just this this sadness to it, this oh, isolation, yeah. Yeah. this introspection. Yeah. And I absolutely um, love the emotions that you get when when listening to all of these releases. So, yes, you know, you can you can definitely see the shift out of, you know, the the bugs and the shittiness um, and, and into this more introspective place. But it, there's still, because I think because it comes mm-hmm. from that era, when you get to something like living without feeling crying over spilt milk, the title it there's because of what came before it. Yeah. You still, there's still this sense of like undercurrent. Yeah. Yeah. And Milter still has labia that are, you know, heavily st- pierced. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, what, you know, what, what are you going to do? <laughs> hey, hey, believe me, we love it. We love it. Okay, so, I've been dying to ask about milk tourists. Can I just, since we just were saying yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I, I really love cheese, and I know that, you know, you're in a dairying area. Uh, does milk tourists have any reference to cheese, or is it just fun? It, it, was, it, it was probably something that was... Not necessarily, but it might have been something lifted out of those classified ads. It might, it might have been the title of, 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 of a video that you probably don't want to see. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I like it even more now. <laughs> I love it. But, you know, before you got to the CDR or even CD era, you know, you were obviously dealing with cassettes. You are dealing with low edition LPs, but... Very specifically, and something that still to this day you deal in is lathes. Where did your fascination, love, enjoyment of lathes come from, and how did you start that process? Peter King, records worldwide, based in New Zealand at the time. I think he's he's given up now. Obviously, I think I think he went blind or something. Um, I'm not exactly sure how. Or why? At some point, I thought, right, okay, we'll, we've got this material. Let's send it off to Peter King. Now, I can't, can't, still can't afford, possibly couldn't afford to make another record or, or whatever had happened. And we, we got, we got the lathes back eventually. It used to take months and months and months. Obviously, send a cassette might take two weeks to get to New Zealand. Then you got away from lovely fella, really polite. You could phone him up if you phoned at the right time and have, have a wonderful conversation with him um and and he'd do anything to to help and he's like well on the engineering side of things 
even back then, it was uh, from from my side of stuff. Uh, I wasn't really a hundred percent certain on stuff like, well, some of these bass frequencies or, or treble frequencies are they going to be problematic? Cutting them to a lathe. I didn't know any of this sort of stuff. It, don't worry about that. It's say, I'll, I'll roll off what I need to, and you will get the results. So we we get these mono. We send them a tape in stereo and get these mono uh, lathes back, and it's like. Well, this one plays faster than this one, uh, and this other one over here, this has got uh, a sort of sort of clunking noise on it, and then <laughs> this one has got a slight sort of reverb or, or delay on it to the sounds, and he would chain up his lathes, and each one would be individual, and I, I loved that, and I didn't care if the uh, if, if if the product that we got was mono, we sent him a stereo tape and it came back mono cut onto it. Well, this this is the final part of the art. This is the final part of the the production, and it, you get four, four. So essentially, at some point, maybe maybe some of them also um, didn't. You know, the, the other, some machines that he's got got going there in the chain might record slightly louder or, or, or frequencies better. So in some sort of ways, you know, the, each lathe is sort of individual, sort of. And I love that about lathes. So cool. It gives that real strangeness to it, and it fits the bandage hand world perfectly. It's, it's also a bit more intimate as well in, in a sort of way that you've, you've got this mad cat um, records it's called Lathe Records producer, who, who apparently lives in a apparently lived in a Perspex house or something strange and drove a Mustang. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you heard heard that one. I've heard, I've definitely heard stories of Peter King. That's not one I think mm-hmm. I know. If I remember right, the story was that he he cut a load of seven inches for the Beastie Boys. Yes, I'd heard that. Uh-huh. Yeah, but he he couldn't take payment because of the tax laws in New Zealand. Apparently, so he he got paid with a with a some sort of five liter V eight Mustang instead. Hey, I'm I'm you into know. it. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean that that, that final uh, that that final step on on the product, you know, on, on, on producing this music. You go know, right there. You go. We're going to give that to people to listen to now. And say that is it. Uh, some people like it. Some people don't like it. It's, it's low fidelity. And I think it adds a great chance to music really, of that period. A hundred percent. It fits. And it's funny you say that, how you weren't really clear about the mastering side of things or levels, because I absolutely thought that when listening to something like the Molest Broom split seven inch, in my mind, I was like, this is wrong in many ways, but I'm so glad that it's wrong because this couldn't happen if someone knew was properly doing a mastering job. Yeah, I mean, that's one of our all-time favorite seven inches. It's seriously one of the ever. greatest seven inches. And you said you yes. were in touch with Christian pretty early on. Was that something you maintained throughout the, the 90s, was being in touch with Broom? Yeah, probably up until uh, 97, 98, 99. Um, Broom did a a great split CD with Aphasia, which is a fella from Scotland called 
Richard Johnson, if I'm if I remember right. I've actually don't know where it's gone. I've got got a cassette here somewhere. Anyway, um, great great split CD. If I remember right, the, the broom recordings on it were very sort of uh, music concrete sound, very synthy. Really good listen, and the, the aphasia stuff was typical. Again, a bit more harder on on the concrete sound, extreme levels of sound. One minute it'd be really loud, and then really quiet. So we've got to turn the volume up, and it's really loud again. And your speakers are blown. Yep. Um, you know, stuff like that. But that that was really good, and really, um, yeah, I think probably. Probably about yeah, probably about three or four years, ninety four through to ninety eight, something like that. Traded cassettes, so he, he may well have a few um, lost gems as well. Certainly, like I'm saying on on the Discogs page, there's, there's tapes out there that are not listed. There might have only been three or four copies. Might have might have been ten of some. You know, oh, wow. might have been might have been two of others. Some might not have sold any copies. Were the editions of the Bandage Hand stuff open as far as you just made what you needed? Did you oh, yeah. have set editions? I, uh, for the CDRs, you must have, right? Because you yeah, had those because, made. Yeah, yeah because yeah, yeah. because uh, they'd only make 100. That right. would be the minimum order. So, yeah, we'll make 100. Um, for the cassettes, it, it was literally um, on demand. So I'd, I'd send out flyers. Or, or, or if, if I can't really remember how, how a lot of people. I mean, probably again through through the fanzines and the magazines that, that if I'd address listed, if people were interested, they'd, they'd send a stamped addressed envelope, which is a you know that's that's how we did it back then. And um, I'd send them back a load of flyers and and and, and a list of what I had available and. You know, sometimes the I'd have a review of, of what, what cassettes were available. I might listen listen back to one and say, well, this hasn't sold any in a while. And also it doesn't sound very good. So we'll we'll scrub that one. That's uh that's no longer available. This this new one's much better. You should get this one. Well, I mean, what was the what was the sort of time frame of releasing something announcing it to the point where now you're starting to send stuff out and was there did you have this sense of oh we need to i need to get two tapes together because i need to get an an update out was that in the pre paypal pre ubiquitous internet days was yeah, like there website days. was there yeah. a expectation as far as time and how long it's going to take once you announce something to when you start getting any orders? Do you recall that no, at all? No, not not really, because it was. Oh, you can't force people to buy this stuff, and you know, obviously, trying to make a mark um, as, as a new label and a, and a new artist, new recording artist. Um, again, just just send out once once I had a, a mailing list, just send out the flyers. Here, here's some new stuff, and um, I think probably bringing in. Trying to think of some of the some of the artists. Certainly, with Run Stone and Girl, we'll stop that. That was a reasonably big seller. Probably the Smelling Queen cassette and a few of few of the Macrosonic. others. Macrosonic. 
Macrosonic. That was on Labyrinth. Um, right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Joe, yeah, Joe, Joe was all over that. I think that, that's, that's mostly Joe on that. How did you end up getting in touch with with Joe? Because you guys, you oh, know, I can't. Yeah, we, we, we kind of get on. Um, yeah, and probably don't agree on everything, but probably to do with the banana fish interview. I was like, right. these 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 people are crazy. I've got to have some of their music on my next compilation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, have, having Macron Infra on the label uh, would have also brought in some other you know, new customers, as it were, who of course. If they don't get a free, maybe they'll get a free molest cassette. Yeah, have one of these as a freebie and see what you reckon. Because if you get hooked, I've got I've got loads. I've got loads more. Hook them um, and reel them in. There you go. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Straight in. Straight into the uh, in, into the aorta. It's straight in there. Uh, but yeah, no. I, 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 yeah, just hit, pretty much hit it off with Joe. Uh, had a few things in common and. Um, the 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 recording um just started recording and and messing about with what he sent me and yeah just just went from there really and i mean in addition to mother savage you know you worked with a lot of great labels do, do you recall what labels really got you excited back then in addition to something like mother savage or stinky horsefuck i think no to to some extent all of them because right. they'd they'd all have, have have their own sort of audience, and and in one way it was nice to to get the exposure from all these different labels. Some of them might have been slightly more like uh, the French label. You'll have to excuse my my pronunciation. Nuit Ebrilard, slightly more serious, certainly more serious than 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 what we were doing. And uh, I think the, the the English label certainly had a lot more of a mischievous side. Uh, these these uh, these small sort of bedroom labels, more, much more mysterious, uh, mischievous than the Europeans who were, who were slightly more uh, straight laced. I think. <laughs> I, I love that you describing it as mischievous. I think that just hits the nail on the head because it, it's not less earnest it's not less serious or introspective but there is this you know this little um mischievous quality where you're looking for maybe a touch of trouble well it's yeah I mean, i'll tell you the story of um the second live show that I, that I played um you might have heard it before it's pretty boring but First live show that I played, we, I played two shows in in the basement of this this uh, squatted building in London. Uh, the shows were put on by it was, it was Bar Sakes, so it was Paul uh, Kid, possibly if I remember right, uh, and Gaia Donadio. She was involved somewhere as well. Anyway, so the, the first show I did, I brought down the four track, I brought down the reverb unit, and, and there was about 30, 40 people. Uh, and it was dark and it was gloomy and uh, the, the reverb was really, you know, going for it. But then I had to get all this heavy stuff back home on the bus. And um, I, I was like, when, when the second invitation came to play, I was like, okay, we'll do things differently. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preempt the laptop era by about five, ten years. And I'm, I'm going to record the sounds, pre-record the sounds onto a cassette. I'm going to take my Walkman and a... And a 8 inch jack 
eighth of an inch check, and I'm going to stick that on the table, press play, and that's going to be my show. And <laughs> it went down well with some people who could see the, the the point of it, and it didn't go down well. I don't think with I think MSBR was at the show, and some of the Italians maybe Sigilames possibly. Oh wow! Um, I didn't look too impressed. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think the artists who, who had bought uh, you know a huge amount of, of equipment were like well what what are you taking the piss i was like well not not really but uh, there's a there's a photo of that on the back of the secret history cdr um can of beer on the table glasses on the table uh walkman on the table and and me with my a, a bit of a, a, a smirk, I suppose, on my face. Uh, <laughs> amazing! I did not know that story. That's great. The live arena doesn't seem like one that Molest has has played in too much, or at least that we we know about. I mean, you mentioned the, this the second show being with say MSBR and Sigil MS, which would seem like a, a big deal, but also having to lug all of the equipment you use to make this stuff uh, not being appealing. Did you, did you do a lot of live shows? Did you, how much did you play back then? No, I mean, that, that was it. There was, there was a two in London and then there was, we were invited. I went with my girlfriend. Uh, we were invited to go to Belgium. Um, and pretty much it was, it was a disaster. I'd say from start to finish, um, starting with terrible weather. On the journey up, journey over, so we couldn't actually go to Belgium. We we were dropped in France um, after an, an awful uh, ferry crossing, oh. and then went on a coach to Belgium. Uh, by which time, by the time we arrived, I think we were horrifically drunk, uh, and that pretty much carried on until we passed out. Um, <laughs> in in between that time, we managed to put on about. I think we played for about 10 or 15 minutes. It, it sounded awful. I think, again, bringing up Dave and Smell and Quinn, that they had been at the festival the previous year and had blown up the, the venue's PA system. Um, so that the, the, the PA man or engineer wasn't willing to give us any volume uh, and it sounded rubbish. So, yeah, just went back to the bar. And uh, uh, that, that's probably all the best, yeah. Best not to say anything else about <clears throat> that, that evening, really. <laughs> <laughs> so, have you have you done shows since then, or no? Um, yes, we. What did we do? Um, I played. I think two thousand and two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight, there or thereabouts, with Ramla, right and oh, it's terrible. My my memory is terrible. It's definitely Ram. Oh, Carlos Gifoni. Oh, great. Ah. Who, I, who I met. And possibly, I know at the Ramblers show, Philip Best was there, so possibly Philip Best played as well. Uh, and f- I think Family Battlesnake, I think. Um, but, yeah, laptop, laptop. Uh, plenty of volume from the PA engineer. Nice and loud. Quite successful. Gave, gave me the taste to do some more. And then the last, last time I played live was maybe a year later, which was with Dave Phillips and someone else whose name I can't remember, also in London. And that was probably 2008, 2009. So it's, it's been a long time. I've, I've had a few discussions about doing some live stuff in the near future. Nothing's come to fruition for various reasons. 
at the moment, but um, I'm sure it will do. That's awesome. And getting back to the recorded sounds, something that seems to go through the molest discography up to now is a recycling of sounds. And when something like noise is so infinite and what can be made is, is infinite, why the recycling? Is it, is it a concept? Is it something that you're not satisfied with? Is molest a garden that needs to be tended to? <laughs> it's it's just self-referencing. I like the idea of things, ephemera, being cyclic because what goes round comes round. You know, did you get that one? Oh, I sure did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but 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 li- literally, it's like well, it's just self. It's just referencing back to something like. I've, I've come now 30-odd years on, I suppose. It must be nearly, uh, or, or maybe more. It's like a set of books or an encyclopedia of sounds, and maybe maybe they're, they're, like, they're, they're like novels, and, and the different periods of work, that, that, that it's just a way of sort of stitching them back together. So you've got the, the sort of 90s up to the point where I foolishly had about, three or four massive boxes of cassettes and a, a battered old uh, four track that didn't work anymore. And I, I just threw the whole lot. It, it, it was crazy. So that, so that the, is the, true. That, 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 that is true, not yeah. a, that is yeah. not just a legend and myth. That is a true, you it's threw not, out all the masters. Probably one of the worst things I've, I've done is incredibly short sighted. Uh, and then the sort of period from, I mean, I think I still kept recording up until 2000, but didn't release anything. And then probably had about one or two, maybe three years uh, sort sort of gap and then started recording again. And then so then you've got the next period of sort of 2005 to 2013, 2014, and then another sort of four or five-year gap up until recently. You know, each period, after the first period, it's like, well, at the end of the 90s, what what more can I do with, with what I've got? There's only so much um, if, I'm, if I'm trying to develop myself as an artist. Well, I've, I've gone as far as I can. If I'm trying to push, there's only so much the, the mail orders are going are gonna, to are gonna take. You know, the, the label can only go so far in its current state. So that was a little bit frustrating in one sort of way, you know, trying, trying to get more, more interest, you know, trying to get on the bigger labels, try, trying to put yourself out there. Well, yeah, well, anyway, life, life sort of throws throws things at you. So that, that all sort of, you know, go, goes out the window and um, or, or in the bin, as, as it were. Right. Was that the end of Bandage Hand Produce? Was the throwing away of everything? Yeah. Much. I think, I think it's, like, it's like an end of an era, really, because I would have been in age. It's just like a turning point in my life, really. I'd, I'd um, you know, had, had to concentrate more on, on, on family sort of stuff and work and... Uh, rather than spending my time out of my face, literally. Um, so it's, it's more of a sort of, well, I, I, I can't do both and I've got all this stuff and it's in the way and we don't have the space for it. So um, if with hindsight, like I say with hindsight, it, it was a really stupid thing to do because the interest in the label and the artists on the label and in molest was was always there. I've read one of these other other podcasts or maybe something on, on one of the forums of some, some artists who uh, 
you know, they, they don't get the feedback and you just think, well, if no one's interested, I'll, I'll sling it all and, and that's that. Kept some of the, the nice things and I, I kept my favourite recordings, compiled them into the 12 CDR History of Molest series, which then Pat took over and hopefully has, has sold millions of them. Uh, and uh, <laughs> you know. it gone. Go, it went gold. Yep. I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I did hear that. It, that yeah, he, he's got himself kitted out in fur coat and um, you know, yep. gold, yep. gold topped cane and all, all the rest Absolutely. of it. Absolutely. <laughs> Same here. My, mine's mine's platinum. Oh yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> what color is your Mustang? Yeah. <laughs> Mustang. Well, I don't have a Mustang, but I, I know Joe's got one, and I, I think he, if you're listening, Joe, you need to get that beast. Out on the road and stop it being a garage queen. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, how soon after, you know, deciding to throw everything in the bin, did you regret it? Did you start to feel like I shouldn't have done that? Was it Probably. immediate? Did it take some time when you were coming back around? Not probably until I met Dom, because Sakif Lugant had uh, come back on the scene, and they were playing in Tunbridge Wells. Uh, which is a horrific sort of commuter town deep in Kent. Uh, and, and they were playing in a venue that um, had previously been public toilets and they, they turned it into a music venue. Um, you <laughs> so can, fitting. You can, yeah. Well, I was going to say, well, yeah. You, you can draw your own. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Steve Underwood, I've, I've spoken to him. He goes, yeah, Dom's coming down. And I'm like, who? And he goes, hospital productions. I'm like, well, who's he? And he goes, he's a massive fan. I'm like, of what? <laughs> and he goes, you've got to come and meet him. He, he loves your stuff. I'm just like, well, okay, I'll come down. So I've met Dom. Uh, Luke was there, Luke Younger of Helm. Met uh, Kevin and Paul uh, from Sutcliffe Jugend. Dom was asking me all these questions, and I'm like, I didn't know. You know, he's like, where's all the stuff? Have you got the master tapes? Have you have you got all your old recordings? I'm like, no, it's all gone. I didn't think anyone was really interested anymore. You know, it, the, the, the whole concept, if you like, it had gone as far as I could take it with, with what I had. Um, and it's, it's, it's um, you know, it's, it's over. And he's like, I want to, you know, I want to do something with you. You know, so we did some, we did it, we did a laze. We did a 10 inch right. lathe, Peter mm-hmm. King Cup. Um, as I did, yeah, I started a se- series of laves going back to the laves again. Uh, torturing nurse from China, diastymia, if I've got the pronunciation right, Kyle. Kyle, um, yeah. There's a few more, and I can't remember who they are, but we, we did some laves. So, yeah, I did. I did uh, and then Tom kindly put out the double LP version of Difficulty in Crossing the Field. I still have some copies. I still have some copies for sale. If you hey, <laughs> there absolutely, we go. Absolutely, just getting it in there. We, hey, we <laughs> always are emphasize supporting labels and artists directly, and of course, we're, we'll be linking your Bandcamp up, and yeah. people need to Very go. Kind. Which it's, your Bandcamp is amazing. It's loaded. So it was it was when you met Dom that you realized, oh, maybe it wasn't a good idea to get rid of us. Maybe there are some people who might want to do yeah, something but, with these. Yeah, yeah, but what what can I do? Um, it was it's, it's the damage is done. It's, it's the mm. damage is done. There's nothing I can do. Uh, there, there was a great OB, or we, we called them Alb, because that's how it sort of looked on the on the on the page. Um, 
cassette that, that was some sort of oscillator, sort of C, C30 or C40 that, that he did for us. That, that was really nice. Um, the Runswell Stern and Goebbels, Stop Masters, all in the bin. Um, that Giants, mm-hmm. Paul Knowles, in the bin. I mean, the whole lot went. Every, everything went. Wow. Obviously, it was just, just the most, stu- you know, with, like I say, with hindsight, the most stupid thing to do. Um, and um, I've spent a lot of time trying. I mean, it's, it's all ir- irreplaceable anyway. But, um, you know, even some of the... Um, like aphasia I mentioned earlier, I've just picked up her one of the cassettes I used to own nearly thirty years ago that Steve Underwood, Steve Underwood had in his um, in his garage or wherever he's been hiding all these noise cassettes that he's been in using his right. massive sell off that is the talk of the he's town. Yeah, high, high, highly overpriced, but um, you know if if you if if you <laughs> sorry Steve if <laughs> if. if <laughs> We, we all know hey, Steve and love Steve, uh, of course. Yes, of course. He'll, 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 he'll do a deal, people. He'll do a deal. You've got to speak to him. If, if you want the stuff, you you might have to sell parts of your body, but he will <laughs> give you that noise cassette. <laughs> but, but actually getting back to what we were talking about, the how you were stitching together these parts yes. of the world, and in addition to the sounds, there's words that are constantly used. Images, Ban- yeah. bandage, jack, Puritan, and versions of 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 Puritan milk, horse, whip. Is this also a conscious thing that you're re- creating this world of molest with words yeah, and with the reuse of sounds? It's, it's it's a web. In one way, a listener should be able to dip in somewhere. And I mean, the, 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 the different phases are, are easily, um, you know, the nineties, the, the early two thousands, and then probably the last sort of three years are all easily distinguishable. Um, you know, the, 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 the more, um, uh, the sort of, sort of early two thousands to, to 2014 sort of period, is more sort of, I suppose, might be more drony in some sort of ways, but then we do get the, the early on the, the second collaboration with, with Rudolph, um, Split LP, with, with the eye-popping artwork that, that he gave me that don't know how it got through the um, depressing plant sensors, um, but it, it did. Um, and that, that was an album that I was incredibly proud of, the... The, the the molest side, the, the appeal of temperance. Um, I, I, at, at that point, I was like, okay, this this is this is how I want the this is how I want my music to be presented now. This this is the sound quality is more. Uh, there's more fidelity. It's more because um, it's been edited on a computer. I've, I've I've been able to tidy everything up, neaten everything up. Everything's a lot more concise, I suppose. So that 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 was a bit more of a catalyst to going. Well, I, I should do more recording because I've enjoyed making this record and I've, I've enjoyed making my side of the music anyway. So it's, it's just a very basic sort of thing, really. And then that that period sort of went for a while, and then you know, with the interest again, it, it was the compilation. Someone someone requested a compilation, which was New Forces. And poacher turned gamekeeper turned poacher, three cassette 
compilation came out of that. So that that was a that was a, an idea of just going well, we'll have some new new material, some nineties material, and some material that I'm working on for the future. That's that's not hundred percent realised. We'll, we'll bundle that all together, stick it on these these tapes, and there you go. That's that's your release. And um, yeah, amazing feedback from that from that one. Uh, again, you know that 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 was the next catalyst for the I suppose the the sort of next phase. There, there was a bit of a break, I think, from 2014 2015 in the recording, but it all goes in the back of the brain. And um, you know, when 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 the time's right again, um, it's uh, uh, it, it just pours out again. Well, yeah, because I mean. With all the eras, there's just this massive amount. And, and even in yes. current eras, there's 10 tape box sets. There's three tape box sets. There's hours and hours. So is it, does it come in these bursts? Is yeah. it, oh, yeah. is it, is it like, how, how do those bursts happen? I get, I'll sit down in front of, uh, well, I'll tell you what I use now, because obviously back in the day, when, when we were all younger and more handsome and all the rest of it, a lot of the, the studio equipment it financially was just out of reach. Right. Were, were you going to yeah. book a studio? Well, that's, that was like, I don't know, £200 a day or, or something. And then, then you're obviously going to have some studio engineer looking at you like you're, you're half crazy because uh, you're trying to get his highly expensive mixing desk to, to feedback or something. So, of course, now, I mean, computers are... You know, everyone's got a computer now. They're, they're reasonably cheap. Um, if you don't want WaveLab Pro, you can get WaveLab Elements. It doesn't have everything on it. You know, for like $80 or, or something, or, or they, they, they'll have software sales. And so you can pick up the Cubase. Uh, I, think, I mean, I use Cubase WaveLab Elements. I think Cubase is only Cubase Elements, um, a few VST plugins, and Isotope RX9, which I use as a music rather than a cleanup tool, which is what it is. I use it actually to create music. So it's, it's all about shaping waveforms now. Um, but I, I just make hours and hours of music. I come start with a sample. Might come from anywhere. Might come from um, a bit on the radio or even recycling some of my previous sounds. So there is a lot of recycling, even still. If you can twist, well, I have been. I've been twisting older sounds, not so much from the first '90s period, but from from the early 2000s period. Twist it through the software, and then chop it up, cut it up, stretch it, what what whatever. Um, and there's just there's just hours of it. It just it just pours out, and then at some point. I'll return to the material and edit it and then sit on it again, maybe for a week or a month or longer. Come back to it, chop it up again, rearrange it, and then there you go. Right, okay, well, I've got six hours there, so (laughs) (laughs) that looks like the next release. Uh, And that's, that's it. Send out the emails. Um, do you uh, some some people? Uh, you know, there are some customers who um, pick up everything, and there are some who just once in a while 
pick up a, a, you know like like a snapshot of, a, of an era. They'll go right. I'll have those ten cassettes or those five cassettes and those two CDs. That, that's just how it is. If, if I don't care really, I'll make it. I make the music for myself. If if four or five or ten or twenty people want to buy something, then that's fine. If uh, if not, then well, you know, not really bothered really. <laughs> well, and, and you're definitely attracted to series like the Black Letter Ballad. Is that when you do a series? Is it part of those bursts, and is yeah. it all done in one? Yeah, like time? a phase. You used a lot of Gaelic titles. I think it's Gaelic. Yeah, the sure. the Caerdyn <laughs> Droitcha uh, series. Mm-hmm. Now the the first one. Now that that was a series that I originally wanted to have Peter King cut uh, onto onto lay record, and we did speak about it, um, but for various reasons, it never happened. Um, and it took probably ten years for it to finally come out on a on a um, some very nice high quality stereo lathes from Blad Up Files. Presuming that's how how that's pronounced, blade bladed or bladed fly, flies. That was nice to see something uh, finally come to fruition. That that's, that's that's how it should have been produced. The CD versions and cassette versions of it over the years. Um, but yeah, no, there, there was a mixture of. I was highly into uh, Kathy Jordan at the time, uh, a traditional singer, and various other sort of gay, uh, Julie Fowlis as well, 2007, yeah, yeah, yeah. 2008, that, that sort of stuff, he- with a heavy sort of Gaelic sort of influence. So that, that was the start of that particular um, series. The idea being there's also on there some troubadour music as well, which have been looped and, and cut up and loops as well, uh, which would have been sort of medieval sort of style. So it was a bit of a mix-up. Bring that Puritan element in there. Yeah, maybe, yeah. But it, it was just about stretching stretching things out a bit more. So there's there's, there's elements of found sounds, like the beach, go go to the beach, just record the the sound of the of the waves or whatever weather, or, or maybe some steamships or, or what liners coming past weather. And yeah, so there's some of that in there. Cut up sounds, a lot of samples from various undisclosed um, sources, um, and a lot of drums. Well, you said the troubadour music was part of that. Has that something you've always been interested in? Because there's a, a re, one of my favorite tracks is a sad song for my, I got M Y E, I guess mm-hmm. it's pronounced mm. my, and that guitar has this very medieval melody going through it. And that was from a while ago. Is that, is that something you've always been interested in? Um, it's, it's just that melancholic sort of vibe. And my, my guitar playing is awful. And if I remember right, that, that particular song is, possibly some of my guitar playing efforts. A lot of the earlier guitar is, is by, by Chris, who um, uh, basically called himself Chris Tripticon one day, and we, we've been attempting to play guitar since we were, like, you know, young teenagers. And um, oh, so, that, so some of that guitar stuff's not you? No, none, none, basically most of the guitar on all of the 90s period Apart, if it's if it's detuned sort of strumming, that's me. Um, <laughs> all, all the more sort of heavily morose and 
Um, I don't even know where it came from out of him because to, to look at the man, you wouldn't um, you, you wouldn't really think that uh, put a guitar in his hands and then he bought this Boss Delay pedal that was faulty and the the sound that came out it was it was just monstrous, you know distortion and but anyway so he, he's that, that's mainly Chris Tripticon. Oh okay. Uh, and we did we did do an album um, that was on Destroy All Music. Now they they did a molest cassette called The Housewife's Choice. Amazing title. Great title. <laughs> Probably another one from the uh, from the from the classifieds of the Sunday sport newspaper there. Yeah, trip Tripticon. We we took a load of Chris's guitar freakouts and added drums and bass try to make it sound like a, a like a rock band so it, it, it ended up with this heavy sort of magma sort of faust sort of nightmare english psychedelia sound uh again completely lost he, he has actually got the 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 um not the master tapes but he has got copies of all the tapes um from the 90s and that that's something that we, we're trying to work on being digitized and and then I think uh, detachment. Big shout out to uh, John Grimaldi from here in the UK uh, has expressed interest in releasing some of this stuff. Um, but it's um, yeah, it's it's just just heavy psychedelic guitar noise. Um, and I, to a certain extent, he didn't like me using it in in my recordings, but it, it just gave that that undercurrent of 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 dread just just a little bit more uh there's just a bit more weight behind it you know but, i was gonna yeah. ask if if molest has always been you but i guess you've used guitars from from chris and are there have there been other people who have sort of collaborated uh knowingly or unknowingly, or unknowingly. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah just just friends that i've met along the way uh andy g which might have been I think we called him Andy Gasser. I can't can't remember. I was, I was too scared to talk to him when I when I first met him because he, he looked quite fearsome, but he actually turned out to be quite a nice man. Again, he, he had uh, like I think if I remember right, a psychic TV cross painting painted on the back of his jacket or something. Yeah, we, we became quite good friends, and and he introduced me to stuff like Soviet France um, and some of the more that, that side of of the English underground. And yeah, we, we just recorded a few. Few silly jams. You know, he'd bring along his Slayer LP, and uh, we we wind it backwards and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, uh, Cy Johns, who I've been to college with, just just little bits and pieces, just you know, silly silly little bands that that we we created. I'd have I'd have, I'd have the, the recordings of all of this stuff. You know, stuff with Chris, Cy, Andy, what whatever. Might have some stuff from Sean Factor X, so we use a bit of that. Oh, yeah, there's, there's some rhythmic stuff, a nice little bit of, of rock music. We'll use that. We've done that with them. Yeah, we'll throw that in the mix. It was just literally mm-hmm. throwing stuff together. Um, and um, yeah, I'll, I've, I've got to make this C60 tape. Uh, I've, I've got a 10 minute, 10 minute gap. What am I going to do with that? Uh, yeah, we'll just, just go through the, you know, just see what there is. 
oh yeah, that that sounds like can. We'll use that. I like that that drum loop. So, yeah, we'll use that and just chuck some feedback on it or source and not loud guitar and that that will fill up that ten minute section of the tape and you know that's just that's that's how it was. It, it was there was no real thoughts or real care about a lot of it was just trying together really. But, did format or label play much into the type of material you were submitting? Like you're saying, you know, fill up the rest of the C60 or if you were doing a lathe or this or that, how much uh, consideration went into that or doing something for Stinky Horsefuck? Yeah, not, none at all. Obviously, the the, uh, the the tape for Stinky Horsefuck had, had probably some of the most vulgar um, titles. Oh, of other... course. I mean, but how could it not? But yeah, I mean, the, the first LP that I, that I pressed, 100 copies, Breathing in Dead Flies, with hindsight, if I'd thought about the levels, for some reason I thought I, I, I like the dynamics of, of loud and quiet sound. But on a on a vinyl pressing, especially, I mean, at the time that I think their vinyl was it, it, it was of the time not the best pressings compared to you know not really high quality pressings, but they, they were decent. But if I'd actually kept the levels pretty much high all the way through of the music. Uh, they, they, they would have sounded nicer on the vinyl, although a lot of it gets lost in, or a lot of the sound, the quiet sounds just got lost in the in, in the, the rumble and hiss of the um, of, of the grooves of the record, really. Uh, so stuff like that, I, I didn't really give any consideration to at all. Uh, whether there's any charm in that, I mean, maybe there, maybe there was a bit of charm in it. A hundred percent. Dripping with charm. Absolutely. But they're one of our favorite releases and one of our favorite series of all time is the self-abuse murder series, which you are a part of the dreams crossed out seven inch. Obviously that's something that was, there's a guideline and direction for what it was going to be about. How did you get interested in Beverly Allen and how did you approach a seven inch like that, that had such a very specific theme to it? I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't really know much about mass murderers and I, I didn't have a particular, um, any particular knowledge of them. Obviously, I discovered White House probably, what, three, four or five years before uh, and, say, discovered, had been introduced to, really. They'd obviously touched on Peter Curtin and various other serial killers and, and so on and so forth. But it, it was never part of the, the molest encyclopedia, if you like. I think Pat had just wrote a letter saying, I like your stuff and, and I'm doing a, a series of 12 seven inches. Would you like to uh, be on one of the seven inches? Yes, please, I would. Fantastic. Um, it's got to do, it, you, you've got to come up with a serial killer. So I think at the time, Beverly Elliott had recently been in the newspapers, possibly. and. I was like, well, that's an unusual case. I've never never heard of the Munchausen's by proxy uh, illness, you know. And, um, of course, now, you know, it's, it's, it's not unknown for these, these people to be attracted to jobs where they can, um, perhaps like Harold Shipman, if you've heard of him. Absolutely, from, yeah. from the UK. Mm-hmm. Yeah, similar sort of thing where you can, where you can create crimes and cover them up under the guise of your, your, your job, you know. So that, that was quite fascinating in a sort of way. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, 
worked with the with the sounds, the the you know the, the whole imagery. Oh, and there's the title "Dreams Crossed Out." What Ugh, a so pitch dark. black title! Yeah, yeah heartbreaking. It- <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Yes, it, yeah. it is. Though. It's, it, it, I, I, not 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 sort of black humor, but um, yeah, that that sort of um, it, there was nothing humorous about it, obviously. But you know, it's, it's uh, there's always a, a sort of dark sort of dark humor. Let's call it. There's a, there's a dark humor to these these sort of um, um, these sort of things that go on because you can always find something slightly weird or perverse or chucklesome about um, the, the the worst crimes, right? You know. We all pick our own methods of coping with darkness. <laughs> how did the History of Molest series come about, and how did those end up being on self abuse, and and how did you end up working with Pat? Well, again, when when I when I came to um, decide, well, I, I don't need any of these master tapes anymore. The, the Banish Hand master tape, I picked out all my favorite recordings. A lot of the stuff was remixes, so I just picked the best remixes and lumped them all on. Try and, try and chronologically lump the monster the 12 CDs. Apart from, there were still some, some albums that were available, like This Pain Does Not Belong to Me, which was still available. So that wasn't included on the series. Uh, some of the other albums that, that were still available through various labels, they were not, it was, it was based, they were not included on the CD series either. So it was basically what, I had from Bandage Hand the, the, the my favourite stuff. That 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 was what went on there, and then then of course the rest went in the trash. Um, but yeah, I, I think I did a small run of home burnt CDRs of the first two volumes, so History Part One and History Part Two. I just didn't have time to to do all this stuff anymore, you know. So I was, wrote to Pat and said, "If I send you these CDs, can you release them?" Because you know, I just don't have the time to, uh, to to deal with this stuff anymore at the moment. And um, he said, yeah. And, yeah, that, that, it was just as simple as that, really. And it is an incredible series. Mm-hmm. And, and it is all available on Moist Bandcamp. So at the moment, check that uh, out I, there. Maybe one day it will become a, a nice CD box set. I think um, it absolutely should be. Might, might, maybe one day. I think it's a great entry point for anyone listening to this who isn't as familiar with your work to also just go and and dive into any any of the History of Molest series to get mm-hmm. kind of a feel for what the project has been. Definitely. And there's also been some recent reissues coming out like The Breathing and Dead Flies, like the Macrosonic. But obviously one big distinction is that the art is completely different and we're in a different era of molest art. Where did that change come from? And I mean, like you said, obviously you, Mm -hmm. you tossed a lot of stuff, but there's, this is, you know, was there any, is there been any idea to maybe sort of go back to some of those old ways or do you, is it just a clean break and you wanted to have this new era framed in a different way? Yeah, I've I've got personally no um, no qualms about reissues having new artwork. It's it's, an, it's it's not the old recording. They're they're slightly tidied up, 
uh, you know, the, the audio is tidied up. It's um, remastered. Some of the remastering processes bring out frequencies that you don't really hear in the older recordings. So, um, in one way, it's, it's a it's a it's a new piece of art, if you like. But so, some of the some of the artwork, um, like I say, some of the previous releases on other labels. Well, they choose in in like the Mexican, they they chose a Salvador Dali um, painting as the artwork at the front of the cassette box. Well, that's fine, but it's, it's perhaps not the strongest image. Uh, so I've chosen a new one, um, and both myself and Joe and you and uh, Input Error all agreed that it, it was just a stronger image, and, and no, no one had any complaints about not keeping the the, the, the old artwork. You know, I've, I've got no um, uh, loyalty in one sort of way to the to the older releases uh, that that they should have some sort of artistic integrity uh the the you know that's 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 my feelings on it other other people will disagree but that's that's my feelings on it also some of the more obscene stuff well i'm i'm not i'm not a kid who's who's having a laugh anymore you know i'm a, I'm a grown-up unfortunately so <laughs> just barely well you use a lot of um let's say vintage images and other found images. Is that an area of interest that you have like frequently from, from like fashion? Not really. Not really. I'll, I'll, I might see something that um, I'm not interested in the occult and I'm not interested in um, any of that sort of stuff. But some of the imagery is very strong as itself is, is just strong imagery. And I like strong imagery. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm more than, more than happy to, uh, uh, to, to appropriate imagery and collage it in a in a maybe in a naive way maybe some some of it's uh thrown together as it were some of it's got had a bit more thought about composition and and, and all the rest of it uh, yeah more, more than happy to juxtapose imagery from things that yeah it looks nice but i've got no interest in the uh actual subject matter if, if, you, if you get my drift well combining mm. all these Images and sounds and titles. I mean, are you a surrealist? I don't think so. It's more. It's more of just. It's more abstract. It's. It's more of a an alternative. This is going to sound awful. An alternative sound world. That sounds we, bad. No, <laughs> it's 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 your it's your sound world. It's your world that you've created since the beginning and into now, and that's what that's what we look for in the underground is the the new worlds that an individual or an artist or a label or a band creates and creates throughout their entire work yeah a new way to frame our reality like I'll, I'll i'm always into something that can make me look at the world in a different way well i mean you know there's various artists out there sound artists uh, who who do evoke that sort of stuff, and uh, I'm I'm happy that um, people can uh, and do get sort of dragged into 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 my sounds, and um, that they that they get something out of it. You know, it's, it's I'm not going to say it's uh, it's like some sort of therapeutic sort of um, medicine, though. Yeah, you know, maybe it could be. It's um, 
it's uh, you know if, if if people get something out of it, then I'm I'm very happy about that. Really, we have gotten something out of it for years and will for years to come, and getting to sit down and talk to you like this is absolutely incredible. Ugh. And just you know, getting to meet you and getting to talk about all this, pick your brain about this stuff has just been amazing. So thank you so much for yes. sitting thank down you. with us for this. Like we've stated, of course, you can pick up a lot of stuff through Nolesk Bandcamp, which we will have a link to. You also, you like you said, you have copies of the Difficulty in Crossing a Field and, and other items that you do sell direct, correct? That's correct, yeah, yeah. And you also have had some new stuff come out this year. There's a lot coming. I'll lose track of it myself. There's two new CDs that have recently been released on Carrot Productions that, for the first time ever, um, they're properly distributed. It's all going through a proper distributor, so it's worldwide available through Amazon or eBay or or your favourite local friendly record shop, which which is the – that's quite interesting. Whether, you know, you might – well – whether anything more comes from that, I don't know. Um, but um, that, that, that's, uh, there's another CD due at the end of the summer as well, which he's been sitting on, Carol Productions has been sitting. Um, that's, that's that one coming out. Input Error also has released, what, four? I'm struggling to remember now, four... CDs recently, and there's another there's another two coming at the end of the summer as well. So, Excellent. Yeah. And one of them is a, is another remix with Joe Roma of a track awesome. that he, he sent me in 2007 for a, a ten inch lathe. Again, we're going back to the lathes, and the lathe never happened. But I still had the track which uh, which I worked on. And there's, 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 there's an album, CD album, coming out with the original track, Long Lost Macronym for Track, um, and my reworkings of it. Uh, so, you, yeah, just, just, you have to just wait for them. Great. Hell yeah. Great news. So everyone stay tuned for that. We are going to hop over on the Patreon and do a free association segment with Molest Titles with Al. So... Head on over to the Patreon for that, and let's hear what Alice to say about some of his greatest titles. You've been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 17 years, by Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra, and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at Noise Extra, on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at Noise Extra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to Noise.